Hello, lovely people. How are you today? How are you feeling? I hope everything is going okay. But well, do you know what? If it's not, well, that's okay too. And today's guest, I know, will completely understand. Welcome to another No Happy Music episode. This is about the next chapters we don't ask for in life, but when they arrive, the music stops and we probably think it will never start again. Julie New had just left her job as a midwife to begin her own next chapter as a personal recovery coach, but when she did, she had no idea she would be needing this work herself. Her former husband, Richard, and the father of her two daughters died suddenly in 2009, and then her second husband, Rob, also died three years later in 2012. I'll let Julie tell you what happened, but as you can imagine, life became really hard. But she used her own work, took small steps along, as she calls it, the grief garden path. Judy has now found love and she's back to her work using everything she's been through, helping others in her brilliant Hope headquarters at her home in Bedfordshire. Judy believes it's always possible to grow again, but as she says, you have to keep watering you. So here she is, Julie New. Julie New, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. I am so honoured and thrilled to have you with me. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Wow. I think we've got so much to talk about, Julie. There's sort of many chapters in this, so we're going to just get on with it. So let's start. We'll start as we always do. and We start with the prologue. So you grew up in Hertfordshire. I did, yes. I did indeed, yes. And what kind of upbringing did you have, Julie? Oh, I was very lucky. I, you know, I... I couldn't have wished for, you know, two more loving parents. And, you know, they always used to, I suppose, just encourage us because I was the eldest of four. Um, or I am, sorry, I am the eldest of four. <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm feeling old now. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, they they always encouraged us all to do, do our, you know, to, to try things and, you know, um, I, I was a bit of the odd one out, though. In what way? Well, because all of my siblings and my my dad particularly and my mum were big into they were they wanted to be the best. They wanted to be the winner. You know, they wanted to be the first. And I just wasn't like that at all. <laughs> I'm still not like that either. I don't blame you. No, I'm just I'm just not. I, I just was never like that. But I, I, I did. I did. I suppose things like I love gymnastics. I loved dancing. Um, so I was always, I don't know, they always thought I was a bit odd, I think, you know. Because you weren't competitive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just wasn't. So is it a mixture of boys and girls? Yes. Yeah. So my younger sister's um, seven years younger than me. And then I had, I had two brothers in the middle. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And what kind of pupil were you at school? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Oh, Oh my goodness. Oh, well, I absolutely loved infant and junior school. Um, I, I've always loved people. So I've, I'd always be off chatting to people and, you know, what have you. But then my parents thought it was a good idea to send me to the uh, local girls school, which actually wasn't that local. So I was actually taken away from my peer group. And I, even to this day, I, I don't think it was the right thing for me. I think I would have been much better... Because I've, I've I've always thrived in a in a very small environment. So even when I was doing my nurse training, which I think you might be asking me about in a minute, in a minute, 
I didn't particularly like the training school I went to because it was such a big hospital, you know, and yeah, I, I think that was the same with the girls school. I just, you know, it, it just wasn't really so so I I loved you know I loved school up until I was about 11 mm. and then and was that just something that your mum and dad just thought that would be the best place for you to go to yeah I think I think they thought you know I like boys too much and but <laughs> you concentrate a bit more yeah I'd concentrate and I'd I'd get get the grades and did you yeah I did I did but not because not because of that and in fact actually at the girls school they thought I was they they didn't think I was very very clever at all and I was put in all the bottom sets and um, I actually did better in the end than a lot of the girls that were in the top set. I mean, I had a bit of that in my school and I never um, stood out at school. And I just think sometimes this is perhaps the and I hopefully life is a lot better in school now. But I don't know, for some reason, perhaps if, even if you're a little bit quieter or things like that, you know, it, it there wasn't the systems in place then to really bring... Um, bring you out of yourself and actually they could actually see what you're capable of and and I, I you know I'm hoping things like that in the education system is starting to change a bit now yeah I do too um, and I don't I remember Miss Miss Ashworth, <laughs> Miss Ashworth. She, you know I went when I was 16 going into her office and she said and what are you going to do with your life you know and I said I said oh I'm I'm thinking about becoming a nurse and because that's what I'd always wanted to do ever since I'd seen the Ladybird book with a, with this nurse on the front. And I used to love, I've still got it, actually, this book. Um, and I've always loved books as well. I'm a bit of a bookworm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she said to me, oh, are you sure you're going to be able to manage that? You know, and I was like, what? I'm just watch me. Yeah. And actually that that was and I left I left at 16 and I went to college and um and then yeah so yeah it it was I did a preliminary certificate in social care you told Miss Ashworth you never guess what I I I did all sorts of different things um within that course and I did my A-levels with it I did psychology sociology and all of that um but I actually visited Dame Barbara Cartland wow yes and she was having um I think an injection of vitamins Wow. But it, it all came back to nursing again. And, you know, that was what you mentioned. So, OK, so well, that does take us nicely into your first chapter. So you knew you wanted to be a nurse. Where did you actually do your training? So I went to Adam Brooks in Cambridge and I did three years there. And I mean, it, it was it was a wonderful place to be, Cambridge. I would say that as I say it was a big big hospital and we had a lot of we it wasn't a very it wasn't a very personal um training in in so much they didn't really know your names at the end of the course and because it was such a big cohort of of nurses coming in um so yeah I I I kind of did my training and yeah I I passed and yeah I yeah I was doing what I what I wanted to do you know and and did you love it I did, yeah, yeah. I've always loved, I've always loved, loved train, um, loved nursing, and I think, I think it's just a natural part of what who I am. You know, I've always cared about people, and I was. Somebody said to me earlier, actually, that you know I have that empathy, and and I, I think that's that's important in that kind of a job. You know, you can't you can't do that job really unless you know it, it, it can't be about the amount of money you're going to make no it it has to be about how much you care about 
about the people that you're looking after. Um, and yeah, I, I, I didn't stay there after I qualified. I, I went somewhere else um, after that. Um, okay. So I went to Papworth. And it's actually now an embedded part of Addenbrooke's, which is a bit ironic. But it was a very, very special place. Um, very special indeed. It was because Papworth, um, Royal Papworth Hospital, um, specifically deal with heart heart problems, heart lung problems. So, you know, it was it was a real privilege to work somewhere like that. I was in the um, surgical part of the part of the hospital. Wow. Okay. I just, I just loved it. It was. It's great. I, I used to work in Cambridge actually as a journalist. I lived there and worked there at the BBC. Yeah, so I used to spend quite. Yeah, and I mean, I loved Cambridge as well. And I used to spend a bit of time filming in Addenbrookes and Papworth. And the work in both the hospitals actually, Addenbrookes was a it was a busy hospital, wasn't it? It was a busy. Well, all hospitals are, but yeah, I found them very. Um, they were very friendly, you know, not all hospitals are to journalists, but they were to us. So I, you know, what a place to work. And so you you were more on the surgical side of it. So was that your speciality you went into? No, not at all. No, I I actually wanted to become a sick children's nurse. Wow. That, was, that was kind of my um, dream. Um, but actually what I landed up doing was becoming a midwife. So I did my midwifery training and um, yeah, I mean, that was, that again I I mean I loved my training it was in a very small hospital um in Bedford and yeah I, you know I again I learned a lot I'll never forget we had um had a tutor called Cynthia Stewart and <laughs> she'd, she'd kind of walk into the classroom and she'd say by the time by the time you leave this room you you'll if, if a placenta came and tapped you on the shoulder you'd know it inside out and and of course we would because of the way that she taught us and the way that you know and, she, and I can remember her name and she was just amazing and um yeah and I, yeah so so yeah I went into midwifery after that wow and where did you do that so I uh, I was at Bedford then I went to um Stevenage because it was near where we lived um and then um Hinchingbrook Hospital wow. in Huntingdon yeah, yeah I know that one as well wow yeah the amazing hospitals and Julie by this stage were you married did, and did you have any children at this stage yeah so I had well Richard and I met um <laughs> we um yeah we met we met uh, I was a student nurse he was a I was a farmer at the time wow actually he just he just he just got his um He'd just been at Shuttleworth College and he anyway we met and we got married very young and we had our two children at, at Hinchingbrook actually um, which was a wonderful experience um, having having our children um, but yeah some stuff kind of um, happened within our within our marriage that that eventually meant I I chose to leave right okay. um, we were to, we were together a long time um before we before we go on to that because that sort of is going to sort of lead us into the next things but Judy what was it like being a midwife because I can't I mean having had two children and you deal with women and men in the most extreme situation I mean how how did you find it I mean I, that's a big question but what was it like well I didn't I didn't thrive in delivery suite I'll be honest but then as a as a midwife, you are on par with the doctors, really, because you're having to look out for problems. You are a problem solver, 
or a problem finder, maybe. No, problem finder, and then you have to get people in. Um, and, I, and I, you know, people say that, what, you know, what an amazing job and all the rest of it. But actually, it, it's, it's a tough job. Um, you know, it's not an easy job. The thing I did really enjoy, though, was helping mums breastfeeding. I really enjoyed the kind of anti and postnatal side of it because it was, you know, I, I could talk to the talk to the mums and help them on their journey really um and yeah so so I think that was that for me was was the thing that I was really good at and, and I really really enjoyed yeah loved it I can imagine. and how long did you do that for so I did it up until I I I left I left nursing um but there was there was something that actually happened that that led me into a, down another path, if you like. When my second daughter was born, I'd gone to the GP surgery and there was a little advert in the. I remember looking up and seeing this advert and it was for triage nursing sisters. And I like read it and I thought, oh, and it was for the out of hours um, doctors consortium that was setting up because, I mean, you must remember GPs actually your actual GP coming to your house I remember Dr yeah I remember Dr Rawlinson coming out and his welly you know definitely I had Dr Barrett yes, I remember yes. I was quite embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> he was very handsome Dr Barrett Ooh, and I was like, really I a bit embarrassed <laughs> yeah. I blush oh that's funny yeah so yeah and I, and I I landed up working there out of hours because Richard was a police officer he went into the police and we we needed to be able to kind of share the care really um and yeah he yeah I, I was I worked with them for six or seven years and I absolutely loved it um so I used to run run the shifts you know um I work so yeah the, the GPs were amazing and um and then I was kind of headhunted can you believe it can you believe it Ellie yeah I was I can't believe it well, Julie, I, can. I was by by NHS direct um and in, interestingly um I actually used to travel down to down to Dorset um so I'd be away during the week um and we were looking at was it possible and this is amazing actually if you think about it now was it is it possible to take the ears away from the nurse as well so could you actually assess somebody online and of course what we realized was was that absolutely yes you can but there's going to always going to be a clinical risk but it is possible to do it so so I was quite cutting edge Ellie. Yeah, that I mean you were ahead of the tech when you consider what's going on. You were ahead of your time, Julie. Yeah, you have been and, and you started working at home anyway. That we're gonna get into that as well. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but how exciting though to be involved in all of this. But we so sort of we're going in we are coming in now into your next chapter, aren't we? So and forgive me here, Julie, to make sure that I have um you know, I have all this correct because really what happened then, you 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 had a very very traumatic time so your first marriage broke up i thought that was bad enough i can't imagine and then so you had your two lovely daughters and then you did meet somebody else yes um after two years i was on my own for two years okay and how old were the girls at this stage seven seven and ten or eleven okay so you got young young children yeah it, in the meantime you decided to leave the nursing to become a personal coach so this was hap happening and then suddenly the father of your girls, your first husband, he suddenly died. He did, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so just to put it in some context, I, I, I'd made a huge decision to leave nursing and I, I just kind of knew that I had more to do, you know, in the world, if you like. 
I don't know. I didn't know what it was, what it was going to look like or anything like that. And I, yeah, I put my two girls into one room. I rented two rooms out of my house to make ends meet, to do my training. Um, and then I, I started this personal coaching and I, I call it personal recovery coaching because that's kind of, you know, I, I started helping people on their journeys after difficult and sometimes traumatic life change. But I had absolutely no idea <laughs> that my own life was going to change so dramatically um, just on one particular day. Um, I walked out of the front door, phone rang and it was the nursing sister who, um, well, basically Richard had passed away very suddenly. <clears throat> and I, I knew the worst day of my life will remain the day he died. I knew the impact that was going to have on our children. And, you know, if your if your children are in pain, I, I don't I would imagine you'll probably agree with this. If your children are in pain, you are in pain. You know, I, I you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, that day. It was, it was terrific. Um, and then, you, you know, we sometimes somehow had to navigate that that journey, you know, um, at the time, actually, I mean, it's the law is about to be changed. Actually, um, I had no no financial support um, when he died from I didn't get a widow's child pension, which which is what ha is hopefully going to be happening because we weren't married anymore. Um, and and you're right, you know, we'd put in with partner who then became my second husband. And uh, and then his health started to deteriorate. Um, when when I met him, he was paralysed from mid chest, but he was the most. He's he's actually in my first my first book. His story is in there. If anybody wants a bit of inspiration, he's he's it. <laughs> so this is this this is Rob. Yes. So when you met him, he'd already been he was already paralysed. Yes. And was that through an accident? Yeah, he he was trying to get in the lead in a motor motocross race. Um, so he used to. He used to work really hard during the week, and then he, his passion was always motocross, motorbikes, you know. And he just misjudged the the jump, and the bike actually came down, literally snapped him in two. So he was actually paralysed from quite high. Um, and people, people have, because I was a nurse. I mean, I, I'd, I'd actually left nursing when I met him, which is a bit of irony. How did you meet him? In his kitchen. <laughs> to myself, oh, you know, because I knew he was in a wheelchair. I was trying to think, oh, oh, you're nice. You know, I've been on my own for two years. And I, just, I remember looking at him and all I could see was him because he was six foot five. Um, it is, and it, so in his chair, he was quite tall, you know. Was always, in fact, I ought to be sitting, sitting up straighter. He was always, he always stood up, sat up really straight. And um, he'd be telling me to sit up straight. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and he was just a, he was anybody if you spoke to anybody about rob he was a complete inspiration he was an amazing guy yeah very very blessed we were to have him in our lives as long as we did when richard died you had you remarried by this stage no no he he was worried about asking me to marry him because he knew what that meant because it's not the easiest of journeys to be with somebody who whose whose life might be I mean I never I never I always had hope and I think hope we always have hope don't we that we would you know we'd be married forever and you know and he'd be he'd be um yeah that we'd we'd be together forever and it sounds awful doesn't it but he was really poorly 
and the doctor had come out and I just remember sitting on the doorstep and crying and the the, the ambulance arrived because I because he used to hate with a passion going into hospital he just hated it and I remember that I was crying and they said oh is he is he dangerous <laughs> like he's almost dead in there you know he'd, for various reasons I won't go into that but um I said no I said it's just that he you know doesn't want to he won't want to go into hospital and he doesn't know that I've called that the doctor's called the ambulance and when I got a call the next morning saying you need to get here um I got there and and actually he he pulled through that um and it was another two years before he actually passed away um but it, it was then that he in fact the uh nurse came in and took his um observations because they were doing his blood pressure every few minutes every 10 minutes or so um and she was like oh my goodness his blood pressure's gone really high she went rushing out and he took my hand and he the reason his blood pressure had gone high was because he was he he was going to ask me to marry him God. it was really and we we had um I remember we had champagne because my parents bought <laughs> bought this champagne in and we had it in one of those plastic you know mugs and um <laughs> anyway yeah so yeah and then we got married on New Year's Eve and it that was and was that where was that? Was that at the hospital? No, 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 no. That was no. He was he came he came round after that, Ellie. Don't worry. He he was like two years after that. No, this was uh, twenty eleven. He, he okay. and I got married, and it was in a candle. Yeah, that was candlelit kind of blessing. It was the four of us coming together as a family, um, yeah. and it, you know it was a really beautiful, beautiful ceremony. It was lovely. Yeah, and then and then of course, yeah, it was the next chapter. Mm. So, yeah, so, but, oh, God, so, Judy, so Richard, and again, sorry to, to, to keep talking about this, Richard, he died in 2009, yeah. and then Rob, your lovely's new husband, yeah. he died in 2012. So, so you lost, you know, these two significant, obviously very different relationships, but also your girls had lost their father and their stepfather as well. I mean, oh my goodness, I, I can't even begin to, you know, ask what life was like. You just can't, I can't imagine. No, and, and I think looking back, I mean, if, I, I, won't, I won't go into the details of it because, but if anybody wants to read how horrific it got, um, there's a really good blog on my website and it's called Nigel. And it's about, so Nigel's a little dog that I got for Polly um, for her 18th birthday and it was to help her um change her view about her her birthday because her dad died the last time she saw her dad alive was on her 13th birthday and she yeah and, and I got her this little dog so it's a story of the dog and you know you know Nigel and yeah um it was it's it's quite it's quite a powerful read in that It's one of the reasons I've, I've, I, I've, I'm only now able to really concentrate on me and my work and you know, living my best life because I had to be there for my girls. It was, I remember going up to Manchester actually and I was giving a talk to um, as a, a fantastic charity called Break um, and it was their sudden, the sudden side of it and it was about bereaved children. And uh, I, I actually called the talk healthy healed and happy because from the get-go that was my goal for my children our children was that they went into their adult lives healthy healed and happy and I have achieved that 
um you know if you saw if you saw my two girls now you'd be you know you'd be like oh yeah they've done all right you know they're all they're okay you know um one's just had a baby she has amazing so lovely it's really lovely but there is that sort of I mean they're actually going up this weekend to see Richard's their dad's um parents for the first time and they're in their late 80s now so it's be the first time they'll have held Roman um you know meanwhile I say meanwhile because so much was going on you were still kind of building you were doing your coaching yeah I was I was trying to um yeah Barclays had um am I allowed to say that Barclays um they they actually invested in my business in 2010 um because changes forever is I'll just show you there's a little logo at the bottom here I don't know if you can see it Mm, yeah yeah, I can see right. it. So it's a house with a heart in the middle of it and hearts coming out the chimney. And that's really the goal I've, I have for anybody I ever work with, never have done. Because it's about people, if they don't have harmony within themselves and their own homes, they have it nowhere, do they? Yeah, somebody actually made me the little I've got it here, actually, the little house, a little house. Um, so, yeah, somebody made that for me and it was just really lovely. I just thought, oh, yeah, that's really nice. But it's that's what we had you know we had that Barclays invested it well they I had to pay them back obviously but um <laughs> in 2012 the year that Rob's health took this massive turn for the worst I'd actually I'd launched I'd launched my first book um which I was so proud of um it had been a very difficult thing to finish it because you have to have space to as you know um, having become an indie author um but I actually I actually published through Changes Forever because, you know, and any book I ever publish in the future will be, you know, when somebody's life changes forever, you know, I think books can be a really powerful thing to help. And I've got a limited company and I've got all of these things. And I remember Rob being in the audience, actually, um, when I was launching the the brand. He didn't make it to my book launch because he was too poorly. Um, But I just remember thinking, I've got a choice here. Either, Either I carry on working or I, you know, I have to stop, yeah. And I, I, that's what I chose to do. I, I actually sh- I, I made, made the company dormant. I, I just knew I had, to, I had to be there with him in those final months. Um, not that I knew that they were the final months, because obviously I'm the forever the optimist. And I always have hope. So, you know, I, even, even until the day, I'll be honest with you, even till the day he died, I still had hope we would get some kind of miracle or but it wasn't to be and you know he died in my arms um and yeah I just remember going out after he died and I remember looking up at the sky and it was really clear clear night and the stars were out and I just I just remember yeah it was said it was tough I think grief the grief garden, you know, I call it the grief garden path. I think the grief, your grief journey that we, you know, we go on when somebody dies, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I, I had no idea that it was going to affect me in the way that it did. And it, and I was exhausted as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I eventually, I did go back to work, but then I eventually had to take a lot of time out. Um, and I've really only been back for the last three, about two, 
well, I'm in my third year now. And obviously we go into the work that you're doing now, but you, so you experienced it obviously firsthand, but you just, what did you, I mean, obviously you had your girls as well. So it wasn't that you could just sort of shut yourself away. What did you do? Did you just give yourself when you could some just time, not keep giving you, giving yourself pressure that you had to do things or achieve things, or you just literally, it was all about survival as such. It's a good, good question because I, I think I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd been there for the girls for years and actually they they almost supported me in some respects um it was why I was really glad that Amy eventually went to Australia for two years because and people said oh did you go and see her did you go and see her? and I was like no because she needed she needed time for herself she knit they you know with her partner and you know as you, as you say they've just had their first baby but they needed that she needed that time and space to heal herself um but I remember at the end of 2000 uh, no yeah 2013 just being on my knees I I could literally um and this dog he got me out of the front door um you know he slept with me for four years um every night in fact my I've actually it's very happy I have actually found love again very very fortunate um and Ben's nose was well put out of joint after four years. I bet he was. <laughs> he's, ben. What I'm just thinking is he's actually away on business until tomorrow. And actually, don't tell him. Ben's back. Ben's back. <laughs> <laughs> every cloud, Julie, every cloud. Ben's happy. Ben's happy. So, yeah, so yeah. we, um, obviously, I want to talk about the work that you're doing. But so you, you have actually met Neil, haven't you? And you have not long ago, or you've moved this, Oh my goodness, lovely listeners! I have the have a look at Julie's Instagram, but this gorgeous—it's the idyllic chocolate box cottage. Uh, and and you work in Hope HQ, which is your your office, which is out in the garden, and it's just idyllic. It's just idyllic. So so, how did you meet Neil? Oh, it was just a mutual friend who knew that we needed to meet, and so we've actually been together, believe it or not, eight years wow okay yeah so we've it's not a five minute wonder it's yeah but he we were talking about it at the weekend actually and he Sunday morning it was and we were just talking about he was telling me how difficult it was you know when he first met me because I will always love Rob you know that you know when somebody dies the love doesn't die it doesn't um and that's tough for somebody, you know, that's tough. But but actually, he, he in fact, he was talking to Rob at the weekend um, and he actually asked Rob, he said, Rob, where is, I, I said, I need this tool. And actually he found this box that we'd brought from the other house here. Um, and I came home because I've been swimming and um, he found this, whatever it was he needed. Wow. And, um, they have a little chat. They obviously have this in common and great taste in women. <laughs> of course, yeah, 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 right. So you're working as a recovery coach, but tell me what, so what do you do, Julie? What does this involve? So, okay, so I I work with, so basically personal recovery coaching is for anybody who's been through a difficult or even traumatic life change. And the work that I do I, I, I'm a coach I'm not a counsellor so there's a big difference in in so much as therapeutic work tends to be more problem focused you've had a very difficult thing happen 
it's really important to talk talk that through and that can go on for a long time but then there re you reach a point where you you're beginning to see a little bit of light but how do you reach that light when you know you've been in that place for so long and that's really and truly what the work that I've developed over 15 years um, into my new chapter program which is just such an irony when I saw your email come through was <laughs> like oh how does she know that <laughs> it's, it's fate Julia I'm a big believer oh, in the universe yes, yeah and it was it was like yeah I mean it's it's about I, I mean, I would say, if I'm completely honest, I am only just in the last year to two years moving into my my new chapter on firm ground. And Neil created this amazing path up to Hope HQ. And I talk about this stepping stone, this, you know, actually, and I think that's the work I do. I get people ready and, you know, like ready and almost like raring to go to the next chapter. You know, it's about people gaining in energy. It's about people reconnecting with themselves. It's about people knowing what they need. It's about, you know, learning what truly waters them. You know, because I have this analogy and it's a tool that I use in my work, which you probably gathered, um, you know, it's to do with the garden. Um, it's, you know, if we don't look after a garden, what happens to it? Who are the flowers in your garden? That's the name of my first book. Um, it's It's just a a really really powerful thing and and that's yeah I I just love it because if if I can help somebody do that after they've been through a very difficult or traumatic life experience and we can actually get that doesn't mean that they don't love that person anymore it doesn't mean that they're moving on they're just stepping into their next chapter or whatever that whatever that you know we all have, we all have a new chapter to be written and you know it's yeah that's kind of what I do so it's six months or a year that's that's what I work with people for um and we do very mod it's module based and we do you know stuff so yeah and we we touched on this before I think when we were talking but can you you can tell can you if somebody's really genuinely ready to for this you you don't necessarily take everyone on and you, and how how can you see that what what are the signs oh that's a good question um well I I do a discovery uh, session which is a two-hour session so that's looking at somebody's whole life and I mean for example I mean I I'll give you an example actually I had somebody it was a company that got in touch with me um they'd got somebody that they were worried about and to all intents and purposes she should be needing quite serious psychotherapy or therapeutic work. We did this two-hour session, and actually what she needs more than anything is to – she'd had so many experiences. This was just one that just tipped, tipped her over. And it might be that she'll do some work on the path behind her at some point. She's, she'd li she's lived so many experiences, but she's so ready to move forward with her life and to, she lives in Spain, actually. I mean, this is something that the pandemic's done. It's, it, I've got a client in America. I've got a client in, you know, a couple of clients in Spain and Mexico and different places. And anyway, she, but they're just, they're the same, we're those people. But she, she desperately needs what I do. 
And so they're actually funding her to do her new chapter programme. But yeah, it's but then there might be somebody else that I've I think actually no, you they're dwelling perhaps more on the problems and the and the actual experience. They need to go over that and they need to dig dig that dig that path. You know, they dig need to dig that piece of land up before they can then move forward. Um, and that's really, I think, what I and I, you know, for, I mean, for me to be able to articulate this to you today, I hope I'm making some sense because I I haven't been able to articulate it before. And I think that's probably because it's taken this long to develop this type of work. You know, it's quite unique and it's quite cutting edge, really. Um, but it's something that I'm very passionate about. And I would say anybody that, you know, if you go to my website, you can see some testimonials there and you know, it's just lovely. To, it's lovely to see people flourishing again and beginning to grow, you know. Yeah. And I mean, Julie, for you, for what you've what you've been through, it must. It's sort of like how to sort of word it right. If there's ever, you know, that what what you have the, the horrendous time and your daughters as well. But if you you can speak from real experience. So, um, you know, you, you absolutely really can. And like, you know, and you can see the signs because you've been there. So in some ways, it must help your work, um, what you do. And that helps people because it's like, hang on, what does she know? Well, actually, she knows a lot because she's been through kind of it, it all. Do you find that that in some ways it offers you a bit of comfort of what you have been through yourself? It does. But I, I was doing this work way before any of I mean, I thought a divorce was bad enough, but I, you know, I, I was doing this work beforehand. And actually, I always use the example, actually, of being a midwife. You know, people used to say, oh, you must be such a good midwife now that you've had children. And actually, I was a much better midwife before I had children because <laughs> I'm not saying I'm, I'm a much better. I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it's people's perception, isn't it? Because I had, I had energy. I had I had you know <laughs> you were you were up for it I was it. up for it I was there after after my shift finished you know and all that yes yeah, you're out I think now I have the you I, I think what it is is that I have the energy and the time to really dedicate myself to this work you know um I I don't have I'm not going through those awful times anymore um, I've had to go on my own journeys and, you know, I, I, and as you say, I know better than anybody what it's like to grieve the loss of a loved one. Um, but I also know what it's like to begin to live again and to love again and to, you know, feel joy again. I remember feeling joy again for the first time. I actually remember that, that feeling. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, my, my laughter now is actually genuine laughter. You know, I, I am actually, you know, I'm, I'm coming back to life again you know so yeah well, I'm, I'm back to life what we're talking about I am back to life yeah well I can see and the lovely listeners can hear um where if somebody when they're listening to this now and they think do you know what I'm not there yet I mean we will talk about if you are there yet but if you if they're listening to this and they think I'm not there yet I'm, I'm going through something or I've been going through something and you know you're just stuck and you can't stop thinking about it and you're going over it and you can't move on what should somebody do in that stage what would you recommend someone to do in that stage well I always say that change is forever but the pain really doesn't have to be but I think it's important for you to reach out you know so whether that's to somebody like me um knowing that you know I'm I'm I love I love hearing from people. I love that. 
you know, I, I think it's, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to push somebody down a, a route that they don't want to go down because it's about what it's working out what it is that that person needs. So we were talking earlier, weren't we, about um, the Good Grief Trust, for example. You know, I've, I've got lots and lots of kind of avenues that I can, you know, help people go down um, that can help them. And, and, you know, talk to talk to a friend, you know, share how you're feeling. You know, there's too many people at the moment and even now there might be somebody listening to this who who's feeling as though they don't want to be here anymore you know please just reach out to somebody because you are cared about and you are loved and you know that pain doesn't have to be there forever it really doesn't you know um and it's important i think as well you know there's so much support out there there now um my book my books actually are really good they're quite they're, they're gift books so they're really easy reads and you can just pick them up put them down I had somebody the other day contact me and you know they'd had somebody to stay and they'd they'd left my coffee table so that's handy wasn't it and she, she took it upstairs and she read it overnight you know and, and it helped her in some way so she's bought her own book now so but I just think there's a lot of support out there now you know social media um and I, I'm just about to start changing not changing the way that I I, th- I think I've got more a bit more energy now and I've got somebody helping me now with my social media so you know um because I'm getting busier work-wise again which is lovely and when when you are with somebody who is is ready and perhaps I can imagine people obviously they come they don't know where to go they don't know what to do how do you start off with it how do you start finding their right path well I t- well it's 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 quite structured really um you know my as I said earlier it's my my work is a six-month program um so all roads lead to the new chapter program really because it's it works and it's you know it's a really it's 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 good fun as well people people you know they might cry in the first two-hour session um but we start off with a two-hour session and we end with a two-hour graduation um <laughs> and we have a bit of a celebration it's quite a structured thing and then um, with I have my new chapter bravery to freedom program which is for people who are going through divorce and separation um, just having somebody there you know helping me that people shouldn't be spending thousands and thousands of pounds on a divorce you know there has to be a way of doing this in a in a better way and you know we don't we don't want people spending a fortune you know it doesn't need to be like that so moving on Julie you're on your to be continued um you know what would you like to do next I'm guessing more of the same but just more and more I I think my dream would be um well my first one is to reach I have got a figure in mind and in fact and when the grief garden path book came out um I I wanted to reach 50,000 people who were in pain and grieving the loss of a loved one to help them find that support um and a, and a pound I mean a pound from every copy of my book goes to the good grief trust two pounds goes to if somebody buys a comfort box for somebody so that would be one of my goals I think one of my dreams would be to to reach more people who are who are in pain and grieving with my um with my book and the comfort boxes but also I I'd really like to get the new chapter work out there in the open now because I think I think people they can they can go in a loop they can go back into therapy quite easily um which isn't a bad thing but it 
you know at some point it's it's good to start living your life and you know loving again and feeling that joy you're lucky i don't live around the corner julie i'd be you'd find me in the corner every yeah. week yeah, no, honestly, if ever you're, if ever you're passing, battle's <laughs> always on. Go, and Ben, he won't mind. Go, going on to your acknowledgements then, for you, I mean, you, I mean, you've been through, you've been, God, goodness me, you know, you've been through so much. You know, you're doing work now that you absolutely love and you're using all your experiences and you're nursing and everything, it's sort of all come together. Who would you like to thank, would you say, that sort of really helped you along the way? Gosh, the main person, well, it's my parent. Sounds like the Oscars, doesn't it? I'd like to thank my mum, my dad. and I think one of the main people is Julie Roberts. Not Julia Roberts. Not Julia Roberts, no. Um, <laughs> the, the person that became a, a life coach back in 1999. And I trusted her. Because I trusted her, I, I was one of her first clients. And it was the best thing I ever did. And she's still a great, great friend of mine today. Um, her story is actually in the Grief Garden Park because <clears throat> she lost a child and um, she very kindly shared her story with me. So I think she's the one that I'd really like to thank because she gave me the courage to leave a job that I absolutely adored to follow this path and to do what I'm doing now. So, OK, fabulous. And so finally, Julie, finally, your tips and advice. So if someone's listening to this, so I'll ask on two different, two avenues here. So first of all, if somebody is going through something, as we said, um, you know, and it's something, something really traumatic to them, whatever that may be. And obviously, sometimes what's traumatic to one person isn't to another. But if it's if it's your definition of trauma and it's really affecting your life and you're stuck what is your advice to that person be it you know a a terrible marriage or a health problem or a terrible job anything at all like this or or grief what would be your advice to them who these people who feel I just I'm I've got nowhere to go right well first of all there's always somewhere to go we we feel as we we, when we're in when, when we've reached those depths of despair we think that there is nowhere to go, but there is. That's the first thing I would say. Second one um, is the best bit of advice that I would give anybody is a thing called, I call, keep watering you. If somebody really is in those real depths of, of despair, I, I, would, I would almost, I call it basic watering you. So it's eat, sleep, breathe, repeat. So that's eat, sleep breathe, repeat. And because often your appetite goes completely when you're you're in a bad place or you eat too much. So, you know, it's, it's about looking at that. It's about sleeping goes out the window quite often. You know, I, ben, ben and I used to have many a conversation, didn't we, Ben? He, you know, he, he and I had many a conversation at night. And but if you don't get enough sleep, it, it can, you know, it used to be a form of torture, didn't it? Um, sleep deprivation so go for little sleeps just even as you're just lying down and resting you know you rest your body rest your mind because it can be you know and then so eat sleep breathe because we forget to breathe you know when we're in pain we physically forget to breathe it's just about just finding a moment you know like if you I don't know like now you know you know it's just it's just giving your body because the more the less oxygen your body gets, the more anxiety you get and the, the carbon dioxide builds up and you've, the more panicked you will feel. 
So actually breathing is actually a very important thing. You know, it's like when people are in labor, you know, they, um, that's why we encourage people to breathe because, you know, it, it gets the oxygen moving around the body. So it's those three really, really basic things. And then after a while, I encourage people to, you know, um, like I'm going swimming tonight with Amy, um, which will be first time since she's had Roman. And, you know, we're both going to really enjoy that, just having some time swimming up and down. And but but it's, it's that simple. It is that simple. For somebody who's listening to this on a sort of a, on a lighter note of who are thinking about their own ne- next chapter, be it with their work or, you know, maybe maybe even a hobby or just something they know they need to make a change in life and they're not doing it. And now you're somebody who not only what you've been through, but what you're seeing people go through, you know how short life is. You absolutely do. For somebody who's who's contemplating, you know, what, I really want to get a new job and I, well, I want to set up my own business and I don't know what to do and I'm not doing it you know what would your advice be to them just do it just do it I mean what have you got to lose feel the fear and do it anyway brilliant book Susan Jeffers amazing book because actually what have you got to lose you know you you, you're gonna you're gonna have an experience either way that's what she says and somebody said to me this morning a really good thing he's 80 he's going to be 84 next month this guy and he said I'm going to live till I die so there you go wise words live until you die i love that julie new thank you so much for being such an amazing guest on the next chapter thank you very much ellie really appreciate it so there you are what did you think of that now look i hope if you are going through something at the moment it shows you really are not alone you really not and my goodness julie knows after everything she's been through and all the work she's doing now i do love that though keep watering you we all forget to do that especially now as we build up to christmas and sometimes it's extra hard when everyone is telling you to be merry and frankly you just don't feel like it at all now you can find out more about julie's work at her website the link is in the show notes and look if you are feeling alone just know this you're not julie's here i'm here all my next chapter guests are here and i know they will believe in you too i'll be back next week with the happy music but in the meantime you are doing a brilliant job whatever your next chapter remember this we're in this together speak soon <laughs>